busy? Mm-mm. Okay, let me run something past you real quick. Gonna make a statement. It may wow you. It may shock you. But you know what? It is what it is. Uh, have you become like me in that you have started to just be thankful for the no? That there is protection in God singing no to something? That you only have a certain perspective, you have a set of desires, and so you are matching your actions to those perspectives and desires, but you don't know how that may look in five to ten years. And so when God gives you an immediate no, you may feel it, but then as time progresses, you start to see the unfolding of the protection in that no. When have you noticed that you transitioned from making God your genie to actually the captain of your life. Like there was once a time, and we all were possibly taught it, you know, asking you shall receive. You have not because you ask not. And you know the name it and claim it and sow a seed and do all these different actionable things to get a spiritual response. To do all these works of the flesh to get a supernatural miracle. I have (laughs) escaped from that worldly humanistic mindset. And I have begun to travel in the vein of God, what is it that you really want for me? And help me to pray and be aligned with what you have for me. And anything that is not of you, I don't want it. And if you're not there, then I don't want to be present even for a millisecond. That whatever it is that you have, I want you to make my words your words. I want you to speak through my mouth. I want you to go ahead and give me the actionables. I can't do anything without you. This is just not something to just say. It doesn't just sound good. It's just not cute to post. It is actually becoming a posture and it's evolving to a lifestyle. I am so thankful for the no. And I'm especially thankful for it because I am someone that I am a planner. I'm strategic. I like to go ahead and work a plan. I like to go ahead and have a five-year plan, a 10-year plan, a right-now plan. And so I have all these different things that are checks and balances for me to make sure that I am progressing as I go through life. I don't want my last year to look like this year. I definitely don't want to think the same way that I did five to 10 years ago. I don't want to have the same friends. And if I do, did they elevate with me or am I the anchor? Are they the anchor? I'm really, really the person that evaluates where I am and who I want to be. And I want to make Make sure that those worlds get as close in alignment as I possibly can. My whole mantra is starting. I, I saw this particular. Uh, I went to TJ. Can I? Yeah, TJ Maxx. I was say that I go to the other one. No, went to TJ Maxx and I saw this beautiful artwork, and it said she designed the life that she wanted to see, and it resonated with me. And so I went back and I was like, you know what, I'm going to recreate that, except I'm going to say that she created the life that she wanted to see. Because I strongly believe with me being the creation to the creator and being that my first introduction to my dad in Genesis 1 was watching him create a thing, watching him speak a thing, watching him analytically put something together, watching him make something and it builds upon the next thing and seeing the steps and the sequences thereof. I'm starting to understand that he showed me that first because he wanted me to understand that I have that same power. 
that I'm not only made in his likeness, that I'm not only made in his image, but that I actually have a piece of him, which means that exactly what Jesus has, if he's living inside of me and I have Holy Spirit as my life tutor, that there are certain things that I can bring to fruition that the average person can't because I am the creation. Therefore, I will create the life that I want to see. And so I grabbed that particular mantra by the horns and I was like, let's go. I want this. I want that. I want that. Because to me, what that felt like spiritually is like God gave you the the credit card with no limit. (laughs) The black card took you to your favorite store that happened to be a super center of everything that you love and was like, go ahead, whatever you want. And like you hear the deacon in the background, like, just throw it in a bag. You're like, anything I want, bro, anything you want. Huh. Okay, I'm going to start with career. I'm going to go to finances. I'm going to go to family. I'm going to go. And it's just like, if the Bible says that he would give you more than you ever ask or think and can possibly align it in your mind, it's like, time out. Maybe I can't think big enough because I'm not asking big enough. And so you start to get to this place that you like, listen, I. Okay, I got to elevate the way that I'm thinking, the way that I'm seeing the thing, the way the way that I'm actually approaching this thing. And what I started seeing is that you are not asking big enough because you haven't been exposed to big enough. You are not asking for square footages to be expanded because the people around you, you know, really maximize theirs and that's where they settled. You are not asking for marriages because you haven't really seen a healthy one in a really long time exposure is contagious you go ahead and get in somebody's car and you're like man uh I like this what's this called and then you start to see that oh okay and what and and so now all of a sudden you have an inkling for oh I like that Maybe not that particular car, maybe the way that it drove, maybe the fact that you didn't smell gasoline, maybe the fact that you could actually roll down the window, you know, without getting put in some manual in it. It was something about that exposure that said, oh, I'll give you a perfect example. I came down to Georgia uh, for the Olympics one year. It was my summer vacation and it was the thing to do. And they, my parents went ahead and they got with my aunt and scheduled that whole thing. And I came down here and I was like, Wow. This is the place that I feel like you're supposed to raise children to. There was something so uniquely calm. Being from New York, people weren't saying good morning. People weren't saying hi there. Like, you smell too much. It was like, yo, you got, is there a problem? Like, we don't really, like, you showing molars for what? You trying to set me up? Like, what's what's hood? We, We didn't really do that, right? And because of that exposure, because of the seed that was planted in that exposure, I then went ahead and uh, fulfilled exactly what I prophesied, that I will raise a family down here. It was something about seeing success with people who were of my complexion, complected and successful uh, wasn't always what I was exposed to. I was exposed to, you know, the income-based housing that looked very much, you know, ghetto. I was exposed to the I don't have it and the, you know, you you can put a tomato sandwich together and share it with your cousin kind of thing. And I love the fact that I came from humble beginnings, but I was very, very clear that uh, the prices that were going on in New York, uh, that I didn't want to be a statistic. I didn't want to be underneath the poverty line or just about and I I didn't want to do all that so I decided (laughs) in my teens wow this will be a great place 
to raise a family. But what would have happened if I didn't get the gift of being exposed to that? Matter of fact, I'm going to go an inch further. My mother arranged for me to go to Georgia. My mother has never been to Georgia. Hmm? My mother actually had a work offer to work in Georgia many years after that. Never accepted it because she was afraid to make that change. Born and raised, myself, born and raised there, and was easily transitioned over to a whole new state because of the exposure that I had at my younger years versus a person who wasn't able to make that change because they weren't exposed to it. Do you see what I'm saying? Exposure to certain things is what goes ahead and whets the palate for greatness. That's why I don't want us to start to shun away certain things. The, when something doesn't work or if something doesn't uh, pan out the way that we thought, I, I've started to go ahead and adapt the, it's only going to work out one or two ways. It's going to work out the way that God said or the way that I thought. But either way, I win. So if it doesn't work out the way that I thought, guess what? <laughs> if I was a grambling, gambling grandbaby, I'm putting my money on, on um, red. Is that God? Yeah, I'm going to put my money on red. Because what we don't understand is that sometimes things fall apart so God can put it together the way that it was supposed to be. You ever put a piece of furniture together and you missed a integral piece and they're like, you know what, you can't really find a wraparound. Like, you can try to glue it if you want. You can try to nail it. But the only way to properly make sure that this piece of furniture is sustained and operating in the way that it was designed to is to take it all apart and put it back together the way that the manufacturer intended. That's what I feel like God is doing with our lives. We have put relationships together that weren't supposed to exist in the first place. We have gone to jobs and stayed there and really uh, planted ourselves in poisonous environments because of the pay or how close it was or whatever you've seen as a benefit, not realizing that it was bruising your assignment. Yet if it's not completely God, uh, you won't have the grace to be comfortable in there. But sometimes we override that. We override the, the red flags and we make it... Six flags. We we override the fact that something doesn't feel right and we just go ahead and slap a little food on it or, or, or something that's fleshy and feels good and we are able to be okay for a couple of more months. And some of us have an endurance for things that God never required for you to endure. And then after a while, you're wondering why you're empty because you're enduring something God never assigned to you. Nobody asks you to be a surrogate to pain. Nobody asked you to be a surrogate to poison. No one required of you to be a surrogate for somebody else's promise. Whenever you sit in the seat that wasn't assigned to you, <laughs> you become a surrogate to everything that you were not equipped to handle. Yet don't be so quick to want to be promoted too fast. Don't be so quick to want to go ahead and jump in that car and you don't got your finances right. Don't be so quick to want to go ahead and post that you're a homeowner when you know that you're uh, the way that you go ahead and set up money, that you're not right with 
of being a good steward over your money in the first place. Don't be so quick to say that you're starting to be around, you know, people of a high, higher caliber and your character is a little shady. But you, you're able to hide that around them. But what you don't know is that it's going to start to seep through after a while. You start to tell on you when you're around authentic people. Did you get that? Okay. I'm going to tell you where being thankful for no truly comes from as of recently. I'm a person that when I'm believing God for something, I want to write it down for a few reasons. To remind myself of like, listen, you already told God this. You got the date. <laughs> you got the day of the week. You got the time. Like you, it, It's established. You, you told him this so you can go ahead and cast this as your care. It also makes me feel great when I can check it off and put that date that he actually did go ahead and resolve the matter. Because I love to see how God does something. Sometimes he resolves it within a week. Sometimes it's two months. Sometimes it's a year. Like whatever it is, it just makes me feel good. Like, God, you heard me. and You didn't forget about me. That something about that just really just it. it I relish in that. <laughs> it makes me feel great. Like, seriously. And then the other thing is just to uh, document. Document purposes so I can be able to tell someone, listen, I went through the same exact thing. I don't want to recall just on memory. Because all experiences feel like, I mean, Facebook memory could go ahead and remind you right now. You're like, that was a year ago? Yes. <laughs> yes, it really was. And so we have, when we are in the midst of receiving a blessing, we don't really have a good gauge on time frame. Remember when I told you the other day? It's really in the beginning of the year. Like, <laughs> when we, we say stuff and we just, you see what I'm saying? We just go ahead and just fumble up on the time spans. But as of recently, what I went ahead and wrote down, I told you my husband and I are in the midst of building a home, right? Mm -hmm. And so I was looking up all kind of, you know, I went to YouTube University. I wanted to watch everything on a new built construction, how that works. What are some of the problems? Like when I am embarking in something new, I don't like to be ignorant. You're going to go ahead and make sure that this grandbaby knows uh, the ins and the outs. Okay, thanks. And that's how I want to go ahead and do it. And one of the things that kept popping up was, oh, sometimes it's more costly toward the end. Sometimes it's delayed. Sometimes, And I was like, mm -mm, in the name of Jesus, you understand? I know you're not. So what I wrote down was I, didn't, I wanted the house to be completed on or before its date, actually earlier. <laughs> Favorite shouts out to God. Okay, great. Um, then I wanted to go ahead and make sure that we didn't have any issues with our loan. No financial issues, no nothing, okay? I wanted, because of the loan that we were on at that particular time, I didn't want any issues in our credit history. Have a nice day. I was going to pay some stuff down, but you know what? I'm going to go ahead and throw the oil on it, throw the blood of Jesus on it, and it's going to remain the same. And everything that I prayed for did not happen. And I was challenged with the question, what happens when what you prayed for doesn't come into fruition? What happens when you're doing all the right things, when you're praying the right things, when you got people touching and agreeing with you, when you stand standing steadfast, when you, God, I thank you, you're doing all the things. And it says, you know, just like it says in Philippians, you know, thank God for what it's done and tell them what you need and, you know, peace that surpasses all understanding. you just like, listen, you a scripture down grandbaby. You understand me? They might as well call you uh, Sally Scripture, okay? <laughs> scripture and Sally, that's what you are. And what happens when it, when it doesn't pan out the way that you thought, is there a sense of defeat? Do you start to feel like, oh, what happened? Do you, do you get angry 
Or do you really go the extra mile to throw some extra scripture on it? Because in the name of Jesus, Satan, I rebuke you. And I see you know, the enemy's always busy. And you giving the elemental P is what I call him because I'm not giving him no shine. But you give the elemental P all this particular advancement and acknowledgement in your life. And buddy is over there dormant like, hmm. I'm sorry, that wasn't me. I don't. Why y'all keep picking on me? Listen, I know I do dirt, but like that wasn't me, sis. I ain't gonna hold you. This time that was your daddy. Like really, God? Why would you allow that? Because you led me here, and you said that you make provisions for where you place people, and you doing all these things. You questioning, but can can I challenge you to do something that I had to challenge myself to do, and I'm so glad that I did. What's the beauty in that? No. Do you realize that God only tells you no when he's trying to protect you from something? Do you realize that when he's trying to protect you from something, it's because he has better, so he needs to sustain you in certain places and go ahead and mess up your particular plan because what he has planned for you doesn't align for what you you asked for? Me asking God not to do those particular things, now that I can zoom out and see it from another lens, I'm like, O-M-G. Just in that circumstance alone, do you know what no afforded me? Do you want to know? Okay. Uh, So very much (laughs) the closing date got delayed by two months. Hmm? Mm -hmm. Two months. Uh, Not one week, not two minutes, two whole months, right? And so that was frustrating because, God, I went from asking you not to delay it, and you were like, okay, cool, and you you show-stopped. You you went 60 days on me. I asked you to do it earlier. Okay. Uh, But just in that, the amount of things that were able to come to pass, number one, uh, we were able to switch loans, because the loan that we were currently under, <laughs> first of all, let me show you how it breaks apart. So the bank went ahead and ran our credit one more time closer to the closing time. Our credit score had changed because I started paying things off. Because we started paying things off and our credit score changed, we no longer qualified for the loan that we initially wanted so they moved us to a second loan that particular second loan was asking almost 3.5 another four percent down at closing uh who planned four percent at closing have a nice day then uh at the same time the agent called and was like hey they don't have an option for your first floor like what i initially thought that i quoted you for is not in your quote at all so i will go ahead and and change that i just want to make sure that you're good with that if not we can go the standard husband and I was like nah we don't want to settle so they went ahead and changed that when we made that bump the bank tried to make it seem like oh it's because of the additional option that you put on for your house Um, if you take that off you'll only have to do a b and c so I felt this immense I'm not gonna hold you there was a little disappointed in my heart I was like god like I, I didn't okay so I I went ahead and just accepted, like, all right, listen, at least we got a house, like, you know, what? And, and I think, can I say something? I think when you start to think like that, like, like the at least, I think that we offend God because we don't serve an at least God. Like, Jesus fed uh, 5,000 plus, right, with two fish and five loaves. He didn't give them at least enough to, um, you know, what they pallet. He made sure that they had leftovers, 12 baskets to be exact. So I think when we go ahead and try to implement that, at least I have a fill in the blank, you have automatically told God, um, 
yeah, I don't think that you you can do anything greater than this, so I'm going to just accept it. Really? Uh, did you see the information that we have in the Bible uh, with the woman with the oil? Oh, okay. Like, have you been reading your Bible at all? Like, I don't want to gossip about you because you somebody's good grandbaby. But did you read anywhere in the Bible where it was just enough? It's even to the point that Jesus touched Buddy with the mud clay on his eyes and was like, what do you see? He was like, men like trees. Jesus could have said, you know what? Well, at least you see and you wasn't seeing that before. <laughs> like, you cool. At least you seeing. Have a nice day. Jesus was like, no, I'm going to hit you one more time. <laughs> Britney Spears in the spirit, you understand? And that's the only time that we've seen that Jesus went ahead and had to do something twice because I think he wanted us to see you can settle where you're at or you can be honest with the fact that it doesn't fulfill you. But he could have said, because Jesus asked him, what do you see? He could have said, I see trees. And that would have been partially true. But the fact that he had to say, I see men like trees, was like, oh, your perspective is off. Because mm -mm. God didn't intend for you to see humans like they are trees. So what I'm going to do is I'm going to fix that. But I can only fix it if you are honest with your perspective. I feel like that's a word right there. You need to go ahead and just praise God on that. I'm gonna get, I was going to give you a chance to do a hand clap of praise, but we're going to move right along. Okay, great. And so when all London bridges was falling down with the whole bank thing and this, that, and the third, and I'm like, this is insane. You know what happened? I called the agent the next day, and I was like, hey, I know we talked, um, but I spoke to the bank, and I just need to take that option off. We can go with the standard options because my bank is saying that I need to bring, like, three to five, three and a half to four percent at closing, and I, we didn't plan for that, and I, I don't want to be uncomfortable walking in. And I couldn't even get the rest of my sentence out. He was like, hold on, what? Now, mind you, when I say agent, I'm referring to any um, on my side. I'm speaking in regards to the person who represents the builder. Those people do not get money or do not get any type of incentive for helping me out because I am the buyer. They are the seller. So this man took the next three to five minutes to say, that doesn't make any sense to me. I've been in the real estate uh, industry for over 30 years. What you're saying doesn't make sense. And after he finished speaking to me, he said, I'm going to say something to you, and I hope that you go ahead and accept my advice. I think that you should change lenders. My question to him was, do you think that we still have time? But he said, yes, because your closing was delayed. Yo. You want me to blow your mind a little bit more? Go ahead and go to his preferred lender. So I saw the I saw the anointing. So I was like, yo, we're not going to just halfway do it. If we're going to do it, we're going to do it. You understand? So I said, hey, can you ask uh, your um, your builder friend, if um, I don't know if his name is Bob, have a nice day. But you, you remember the incentives that you offered in the beginning. You said that if we went with your preferred lender, we could have had it. Uh, can you see if we can still go ahead and uh, capitalize on that? He was like, I think I know the answer to that. But I said, listen, I'm a person that is, it don't hurt to ask. He was like, I'll go ahead and ask him. Do you know that once he came back, and called me, he actually texted me and said, the builder said that he would go ahead and put down, add towards your closing. It's going to give you the incentives for, for your field of, your sphere of influence, where you work. We're going to go ahead and take some of that off. We're going to go ahead and then, because you are going with our preferred lender, they're going to put another piece of percentage off on your closing as well. 
when I tell you I was sitting there mind blown, like, are you kidding me? I then called the, the new preferred lender. Not only did we get a lower interest rate, not only did we get a lower monthly plan, not only, not only that, we're getting money back at closing, bruh. <laughs> because when I'm trying to tell you to stop playing with God, when I'm trying to tell you to stop always looking at a no and feeling defeated, what I'm trying to tell you is stop looking at door one and door two and seeing that it's not opening at the frequency or that or, or when you thought it was going to open. I need you to understand that God is in the door making business. Do you understand that? Like you go ahead. We talked about Red Sea moments. I want you to do everything in your power to get to the edge of the Red Sea. If you know that you've made every decision that you can make, if you know that you went ahead and applied yourself as much as you can apply, then that means that the only thing that's left is for God to go ahead and create a Red Sea moment. It got to split at this point because if you've done what you've done now it's in God's court do you understand that and there is something so beautiful about getting to the place where you start to realize yo I am thankful for the no I am thankful for him not going ahead and just making my to-do list um his particular to-do list I'm so thankful that he didn't look and say oh, okay she asked for that let me check that I'm glad that he saw that it didn't align with what he had for me there is something about being blessed and it's something about receiving a customized blessing it is something so beautiful about that I had to think back to Hannah I said I went back to her prayer you know Samuel's mother and I said, let, let me go back to see exactly what she prayed for. And in 1 Samuel 1, you know, I read from the NOT version. Let's jump right to it. In verse 9, it says, once after a sacrificial meal at Shiloh, Hannah got up and went to pray. Eli, the priest, was sitting at his customary place besides the entrance of the tabernacle. 10. Hannah was in deep anguish, crying bitterly as she prayed to the Lord. 11. And she made this vow. O Lord of heaven's armies. If you look upon my sorrow and answer my prayer and give me a son, then I will give him back to you. He will be yours for his li entire lifetime. And as a sign that he has been dedicated to the Lord, his hair will never be cut. I'm sorry, ma'am, you asked for what? What's on your to-do list? A son. Cool. You know what happened in uh, 1 Samuel 2? <laughs> Listen to this. Verse 1. Then Hannah prayed. My heart rejoices in the Lord. The Lord has made me strong. Now I have an answer from my enemies. I rejoice because you rescued me too. No one is holy like the Lord. There is no one besides you. There is no rock like our God. Three, stop acting so proud and haughty. Don't speak with such arrogance. For the Lord is a God who knows what you have done. He will judge your actions. Four, the bow of the mighty is now broken. And those who stumble are now strong. But five. Those who were well fed are now starving and those who were starving are now full. The childless woman now has seven children and the woman with many children wastes away. Let me explain something to you. If not for that experience, Hannah, would you have the praise in your soul and on your tongue the way that you have now? You asked God to give you a son. The way that the English language uh, serves us, a is singular. God went ahead and saw that if you are willing to ask me for something and then let me know that you're going to give him back to me. Mm -mm. <laughs> let me explain something to you. You're not going to -sac sacrifice me, ma'am. You're not going to outgive me. You're going to ask me for something. Treat it like it's your own. Give me the your best fruits. 
So what you just did was you tithe from your womb. You gave me the first fruits of your womb. And you think I'm going to leave you empty? Oh, Hannah, did you know what you was doing? Did you know the womb that was once barren? Now it's going to go ahead and have seven children. Like, do, you, do we understand that that's the God we serve? Do we understand that in God's economy, you can never outgive him? You, you will never be able to outgive him. You will never be able to thank him enough because he's just that great. And I don't think that she would have had this much joy in her soul. It's almost like it illuminates through the pages. I don't think we would have realized that she had this much joy if God didn't give her that much more. Sometimes what God is doing is trying to go ahead and, and make your, your particular blessing contagious. Imagine someone reading the Bible who's having problems with children and they feel like God is not hearing me and I don't know what's going on. And then they stumble across Hannah and something about seeing that God controls the womb. It doesn't matter if you're old like Mary or, or Elizabeth. It doesn't matter if you're a virgin like Mary. God controls the womb. So imagine a woman that is thousands and thousands of years after this actual experience actually reading this and starting to get the joy of, yo, you, can, you can't read the, the next verse or the next chapter and not see that this woman went from crying about a baby to being so joyful that she's the mother of many. There's something so beautiful in that. And I think that that is the essence of being thankful for the no. Yeah, in that instance, God said, no, I'm not going to just give you one because I'm not just a God of just enough. I'm not doing that. But what I will do is have uh, you cater and speak to the soul of women who are broken across the globe uh, that's having issues with childbirth, whether it's embryos, whether it's uh, endometriosis, it's all these different names that's going on, it's POCs and things like that, and it, it's all these new things that's happening. But you know what? Nothing new happens under the sun. And again, uh, God is the controller of the womb. He created life. He created the gift of life. And so he will, he will be the creator and continue to be the creator over who is able to partake in bringing forth new creation. Period. There's nothing else to talk about. You are fruitful in more ways than one. And however God deems it to be, if your heart's desires is to be a parent of any magnitude, I feel like God will orchestrate that customizable just for your heart so that you can have this kind of praise. There's something about having a praise that is contagious that when other people read it, they're like, God, I, if you did it for her, you can do it for me. If you did it for him, you could do it for me. If you did it for that family, you could do it for mine. If you did it for that business, you can do it for mine. If you did it for her mind, you can do it for, and you see, if you did it for that addict, you can do it for this one. You, you see, the, it makes you start to see, like, again, it's exposure. Sometimes you got to be exposed to the very thing that you didn't think that was even possible. Oh, it's possible, <laughs> impossible. If you go ahead and, and go move those words around, it just says I'm possible, and that's God still speaking to you. Do you understand that? But the biggest thing about being uh, thankful for the no was I had to go one step further. I said, I, I want to read about uh, Peter, right? And the fact that he didn't want uh, for Jesus to be caught. And so real quick, Matthew 16 uh, I want to go to verse 21, where it says Jesus predicts his, his death. 
From then on, Jesus began to tell his disciples plainly that it was necessary for him to go to Jerusalem and that he would suffer many terrible things at the hands of the elders, the leading priests, and the teachers of the religious law. He would be killed, but on the third day, he would be raised from the dead. 22. But Peter took him aside and began to reprimand him for saying such things. Heaven forbid, Lord, he said. This would never happen to you. 23. Jesus turned to Peter and said, get away from me, Satan. Pause. Or how the uh, the deacons say, get thee behind me, Satan. Right? All right, resume. You are a dangerous trap to me. You are seeing things merely from a human point of view, not from God's. 24. Then Jesus said to his disciples, if any of you wants to be my follower, you must give up your own way. Take up your cross and follow me. 25. If you try to hang on to your life, you will lose it. But if you give up your life for my sake, you will save it. 26. And what do you benefit if you gain the whole world but lose your soul? Is anything worth more than your soul? I want to go ahead and change some words around. Um, if you try to hang on to your uh, decisions in life, if you try to hold on to the things that you want, if you try to hold on to the very things that you thought would be best, if you try to hold on to your ideals, if you try to hold on to the things that you're like, you know what, God, I want it this way. I want to date that person. I want this particular job. I want to live here. I want to bring my family there. If you try to hold on to that, you will lose what God has for you. The Bible says in 25, Matthew 16, 25, if you try to hold on to your life, you will lose it. And it's because the more that we try to, let's go ahead and just think about the, the, the bank situation I gave you with the house. If I try to hold on to the ideal of I want this early, I want this now, I want it this way, I want, I would have been in, if that very thing would have worked out, I would have been in a home that was, you know, the monthly payment would have been more. The interest rate was not the best. The fact that I had a community bank down here, uh, their rates were, were not competitive. Uh, there were certain things that we needed that we didn't have enough time to kind of finagle. Like, you know, there were things on back order like refrigerators and appliances and certain things that we needed by a time. And the fact that God delayed that allowed it to be just so timely for what it is that we needed. There is something so beautiful about letting go whatever it is that you thought to allow whatever God has to flow through. There is beauty in no. I'm going to challenge you. Can you start being thankful for the no? Can you start being thankful in the fact that when God says a thing, um, it's because he's saying it for your best. He has your best interests at heart. If he said no, it's because it's either not yet, it's not that, or it's whatever. You know how many jobs I tried to apply to, it felt wrong, and God was like, no. That God let me go and rock the freaking interview, and it was like, mm-mm, can't let you do that. That I went ahead and tried to pursue and jump ship and do a couple of things in my life, and God was like, no. And it was so frustrating because I felt the inkling to leave, to dive, to to get out the nest. The nest was no longer comfortable. It started to, it was getting prickly, and God was like, I just wanted to awaken you to start asking me for things but what you did is that you got up and you started trying to fly on your own and the last thing that I want to do is for you to leave something too early and now you are prey to everyone else who sees that uh you are not fully developed in an area 
sometimes we don't know that there are like the Bible literally tells us that, you know, there's scorpions and snakes and, you know, he wants us to move like doves and, and all the different things. He's letting us know like, yo, the enemy is a roaring lion. Like he's looking for who he may devour. And the last thing that you need to do is be out in these streets, be underdeveloped to the point that you walking around and you literally are a piece of steak walking down an alley of wolves. We want God to protect us. And sometimes it looks like no. All right, listen, uh, I feel like you got what you needed. Mm-hmm. You know what these conversations are. They are life-provoking conversations, conversations that not the average person is going to have with you, but who? Your favorite homegirl. Uh, I'm going to go ahead and let you let me go. It's a few things I got to do and handle. and uh, But don't go too far because I actually do want to call you right back. I have something else I want to say to you, okay? All right, later. <laughs>